this is Diane Carver with Caregiver Relief, and today I have Tracy Lawrence joining me. She is our dementia care specialist. Tracy has decided to talk about guilt and other useless gyrations. And Tracy, I, I, first of all, I say thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Guilt and other useless gyrations. We've both been caregivers. We've helped hundreds of caregivers. And if there's one thing we know is our emotions take the better part of us and we go through useless gyrations. So let's talk about that, especially the guilt. Let's start with guilt. Guilt is one of my favorites because I'm a Jewish kid and I had a Jewish mom. And guilt is something that my Jewish mom was very adept at applying. And <laughs> so it, it's something that I, I've always been familiar with from the time I was a, 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 a little kid. But I became acutely aware as a caregiver that a lot of us experience guilt over really silly things, things that really should not be so concerning to us. Because we have a tendency, we operate out of a place of, of love and compassion, and there are times when we just second-guess ourselves. We wonder if we made the right choice or if we actually, God for foe, we find somebody who can actually fill in for us and give us a little bit of respite. We're worried that other person couldn't possibly do as good a job as I do, and so I feel guilty for having subjected my loved one to the uh, the lack of my care. And it's, it's ridiculous, but we do it to ourselves. And I see it again and again. And I, I go on these Facebook groups because I know that you're going to see people who are tying themselves up in knots, second-guessing themselves and feeling like they just didn't do enough. And yes. so... My line on that is guilt is for people who know what the right thing is and choose to do the easy thing instead. Aren't those people? Caregivers know what the right thing is, and they choose to do that very hard thing that happens to be the right thing. So caregivers, should, should I say this all the time, they, they get a, a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. I tell my caregivers that it's a useless and wasted emotion that negates absolutely every positive thing we do totally agree and, and you know what it, it can be a motivator to, for positive change but boy if something goes wrong we feel bad about it we really beat ourselves up and it, then it causes shame yeah and, and let's face it caregiving is a stress-free activity we don't need to go putting more stress on ourselves why should we do that it really yeah. is it's, it's hard enough we should be celebrating our achievements rather than making ourselves feel bad for some perceived deficiency or slight or oversight or something that we think maybe we could have done better or maybe because some Monday morning quarterback is second-guessing us and, and feeding us ideas. Maybe you should have done this. You know, I, I love that. Uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. They're always <laughs> helpful people out there who think they can tell you how to do something better than you did. Yeah, when we become caregivers, we it would be great if we had a caregiver manual, but no one's put one out yet that I know of. You're right. I love the get out of jail free card for the guilt. I love it. And one of the things that, that I've learned about guilt is 
that it's keeping you from being the best possible person. It's uh, keeping you from experiencing joy. Because here's a perfect example. A caregiver finally gets someone to stay with their loved one, and they Mm -hmm. go out. And just as you said, they're feeling anxious, and the whole time they're gone, that whoever's there is not taking care of their loved one as good as they could, and and that they're suffering in somehow, some way. And it's just Mm -hmm. pure silliness on our part. And it's an ego thing for for Mm -hmm. us. God, nobody can do anything as good or better than I can. Absolutely. But it also Absolutely. keeps us from living in the moment and enjoy, mm-hmm. and enjoying because one of the things caregivers do is caregivers is very isolating. Oh, is it? And it's, it's absolutely yes. awful. If they can, if they don't continue the relationships outside of their caregiving mode, they lose those relationships. The, the, the thing is that when we have relationships with people who've never been caregivers, mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult to articulate to them what you're going through. They really have no idea, and there's just no way to articulate it in a way that they'll understand. And very often, they'll try to offer you like a tidbit of advice based on absolutely nothing, but they feel like they have to say something. <laughs> they'll say, maybe you could take a bubble bath. And all good intentions, of course, but it's just, it's very hard. And after a while, you don't even want to say anything to them anymore. And you get tired of hearing the sound of your own voice complaining. And then you get into, I feel guilty because I shared my pain with them. I feel guilty. I, you know, I'm embarrassed. And that negatively impacts your outside relationships. Yes. And, and, and you just, you know, you wind up not saying anything. Just like, you say, uh, so how was your weekend? And, oh, we went and we saw the kids and then we went to a show and then we went, you know. And you're like, you're listening to all this and you're like, gee, I remember when I used to be able to do stuff like that. And you don't want to say that because you don't want to make them feel bad. Compassion fatigue is real. And it really does force us, if we're at all in that space and we're self-aware, we really just, we keep to ourselves when we aren't caregiving. And that can be dangerous because we're not built to be alone all the time and to just be left to our own devices. We need socialization. We need other people. We need to be able to see beyond this caregiving world that we've built for ourselves and and live for the day that we'll be able to have our own version of that again. I do like to point out that one of the things about guilt for caregivers is, and it goes into what you're saying, is they feel like they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. That everything revolves, all the care and everything about that person they're caring for revolves around just them providing the care. And caregivers say, but I don't have a choice. You do. And some of them get really angry at me when I say that because um, I I don't know why. They get into a victim mode, Mm -hmm. which is another uh, negative um, emotion. (laughs) Yes, I think a lot of caregivers do have a martyr complex. Yes. And 
if you ask them to, to take the cross off their shoulders, they actually get annoyed with you. They do. They do. And, and it's sad because they become so ingrained in caring for somebody else that they let the isolation get bad. They let their friendship drop off. Here's a true story. I actually had a 75-year-old woman call me, and she wanted me to help place her 104-year-old mom in assisted living. Oh, my God. She has been providing care for her mom for over 30 years. Oh, my God. So here she oh. is. She's, and, and this was her rationale. At 75, she just decided now that she needs to have her own life because her mom may outlive her. It, 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 that, that's so true. I had a client family that hired me, and this was particularly tragic. There was a 94-year-old grandma, 74-year-old daughter taking care of her. The 94-year-old had dementia. She'd had a stroke and developed dementia from the stroke. And when she was like in, in her 60s, I believe, and her daughter, who was now in, in, her, in her 70s, had been caring for her all this time. Now, there's the, the daughter also has a husband in his 80s, and she was reporting to me symptoms that made it pretty clear that the husband was in cognitive decline as well. Yeah. Then there was a granddaughter in her late 40s, married with two kids. One was a teenager and one was a pubescent. All right, so we got four generations here. Wow. The, the granddaughter in her 40s brought me into the situation. I met with the mom, and the stress on this woman was you could feel it when you walked into the room with her. Yes, I've seen it. And what I didn't realize at the time was that she had already started developing dementia. Oh, how sad. It was awful. And, and I, 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 I took the granddaughter aside. And I said, your mom is under a great deal of stress. I'm concerned about her. And I'm which what she's reporting about your dad or your grandfather, her dad. It sounds to me like he's probably got dementia also. So we're going to have to work pretty quickly and, and triage what's going on with your mom and your dad. And she was like, okay, great, okay, great. And man, the, the 74-year-old snapped and got all nasty on me. And I, I, I couldn't break through. And her daughter, the one who brought me in, was parroting the things that she was saying. Uh-huh. So, and I had already, I brought my care manager and we'd been having a conversation and it blew up. And, and later I said to her, oh, my God, I wonder if, if, if the mom has dementia. And she said, yeah. And I was just like, I didn't get that. You know? But it, she'd been under so much pressure for such a long time. It made perfect sense. And that's why yeah. the things that she was saying to me were so caustic and toxic and not really based in any reality. Yeah. That reality that I could witness. But I felt terrible, and it was, I had to back out of the situation. And I worked to the wise. Anyone who makes that choice to stick with caregiving 
with no respite for years on end is asking for illness or death of, of their own because it, it's well, that's no way to live. Every year, and I tell this story often, but every year we lose several caregivers in our support groups mm-hmm. to death or serious illness. And the sad part is it's due to the stress and no respite thinking that they are the only ones that can provide the care and thinking that there is no other choice. And yeah. caregiver stress kills. And people, they also don't understand that caregiving can be as long as 20 or 30 years now. Yeah. And the other thing that caregivers tend to not do is see doctors for themselves, see their own doctors. That's a really big problem. Because on top of the stress, they're spending so much time taking their loved ones in for care with their doctors and their procedures and their treatment, they're completely forgetting to do their own. And listen, I get it. There have been times when I really, after you've been to like five doctors and procedures for your loved one in the same week, do you really want to go for a mammogram? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but, but, but you, you have to. You, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to everyone who relies upon you to take care of yourself. And yes, I had a yeah. caregiver. Her name was Star in one of my groups. She's just one of many that I can give you an example of. But Star had the most overbearing, narcissistic mom in the world. Her mom prevented her from getting jobs. I, you have no idea how brutal this woman was. Star did everything she could possibly do to keep her mom at home. Mm-hmm. And she developed a cough. And four years later, she decides, I'm not feeling good. After four years, goes to the hospital, to the doctors, where they admit her immediately, and she dies a few days later. And it turns out she had stage four lung cancer that had metastasized to her whole body, would not do anything to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. So it, people don't understand that it's guilt leads to shame, and it, it leads you to a place of isolation where you don't have any choice in the matter of anything. And trust me, there's always choice. No matter what, there's always choice. And we as caregivers need to stop judging ourselves so harshly. We have to remember that we're human. Yes. And another thing I like to point out, especially people who are caregivers to their parents, think of your childhood for a second. Do you know anybody who had an ideal childhood? I I know there were a lot of things I would have liked my parents to do differently. Does that make them bad people? No. No. but, But think of that when you're judging yourself. Because each of us is doing the best we can with what we have at the time that we're doing it. And so you've got to cut yourself a break. And everyone is doing the best that they can. And you always have to keep that in mind. Could I have done it better? Maybe. Yeah. But on circumstances and with the tools that I had and the knowledge that I had at the time that it happened, I did the very best that I could. Exactly. And that means being able to forgive yourself for being human. Forgiving those who 
trying to make us feel guilty. <laughs> You've got the uninvolved siblings, the other family members who are there to swiftly judge and make comments to bring us down, to further beat us down when we don't need that. So sometimes we even have to practice forgiving them and we need to learn to let go of, of yeah. our, the family dynamics. We have to let go of things that people have done to hurt us. Yeah. And we have to learn, I think, to learn to practice mindfulness in, in many ways. Living in the yes. moment, so to speak. Yes, yes. And learning to trust ourselves, to have confidence. What you know about your loved one has a great deal of value and that what you're doing is special, it is important, and that you should celebrate your ability to do that. At the same time, I, I, one thing that I, I say is with caregivers, think of people who you can ask to give you respite. If somebody starts harassing you about things that they think you could do better, turn it around on them and say, it would be great if you could take mom for the weekend. And, and, <laughs> and see what it's like. And I think it would be really good for you to reconnect with her. Yes. And great for her to reconnect with you. And then I can go and put my feet up for a couple of days and maybe get my hair done or get a yeah, manicure. Exactly. <laughs> um, and what's and the best? Hey, wouldn't it be nice for us to even feel like they can take a bubble bath? Hey, whatever you can do, it, it has value. But putting those, the, those naysayers, those Monday morning quarterbacks, those people who second guess you on the spot yes. and getting them to sub for you, it's a great maneuver. Because nothing is going to change their tune faster than spending time and seeing seeing what exactly so many of the opinions that these outsiders have are based on how your loved one was twenty years ago. Exactly how they are right now. It's really important, and it serves so many purposes. So if you can manage (laughs) to turn the tables on them and get them to agree. That little guilt thing might creep in with you, but take more satisfaction in knowing that once you come back, they're going to be so grateful to you. <laughs> yes, and, and they may never help you again, but you will feel better because you stood up to them and made them provide care to see what it's like to walk in your shoes. And Absolutely. I think that's I think that's very important. Yeah, and they'll think twice before second-guessing you again. Yes. And some of the family dynamic is they're they're trying to uh, shame you so that you feel guilty, so that you feel they they lower your self-esteem. People have, caregivers have to realize these are irrational thoughts and beliefs that we fuel ourselves. We think we have to have everybody's approval. We have to be perfect. Oh, my God, if we make a mistake, we, we must be the worst person in the world. And caregivers think, oh, my God, everybody can see my fault, and I'm just a worthless person. And that's just not the way it should be at all. They should, first of all, be giving themselves boys or pass on the back at how amazing they are to provide this care on a regular basis. Yeah. They're dependable. They're responsible. 
And that's pretty awesome. And and they don't get acknowledged for it. No, you're doing a job that nobody else wants to do. Certainly not as an unpaid provider. And that's what so many of us do, right? (laughs) So it's important to – caregivers need to be better advocates for themselves. I agree 100%. And they need to be able to identify how people use guilt trips to manipulate them. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, yes. I was going to say one thing that they also have to stop doing is apologizing and saying they're sorry for every little thing. I feel so bad because women especially, we're always, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stop. What's there to be sorry for? You are, first of all, you're, you're, working, you're giving up your life to care for somebody. So many caregivers nowadays are retired. There may have kids that are still in college. There's yeah. so much going on. And then they're trying to provide for a parent who, who may be in their 80s, 90s, or getting close to 100. <laughs> and you never know when it's going to be over. You know, it's going to end. A lot of caregivers are, are in careers while they're caregiving. Exactly. Which, and, and that's really hard, too, every which way. Being an independent entrepreneur, I've done it while having a job. I've done it while not having a job. And however you do it, it's challenging. It, it's, you really have to give yourself some credit and give yourself some time off. Give yourself some love. Give yourself a, 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 the, the opportunity to unplug and unwind and have some fun. Yeah. Because it, if you don't, Life is going to pass you by, and you might wind up very old and still caring for somebody who's ancient. My 70-year-old with a 104-year-old mother, yes. Absolutely. I can't even imagine what that must be like. I feel so blessed, Diane. There were times when I was caring for my mother, especially towards the end, when she was on hospice, and I'd been caregiving her for five years. And when the hospice nurse said to me, she's got weeks, days, maybe weeks, and eight months went by and she was still with us. And I was just like, I can't believe she's still alive. And I I was like, she's never going to go. And I know to people who aren't from this realm, you hear somebody say something like that and you're horrified. But, you know, very real, honest feelings. Absolutely. And it's not, yes, of course. In part, it's for our benefit. We want to be free of this obligation. Yes. But it's also for your loved one because you know that their quality of life is not what they would want it to be. Exactly. So, And I've heard lots of stories. It seems that most people hang on for a reason. In my mind, I could not fathom why she was still hanging on until... It started to come together the day before she died when I got the statement from her long-term care insurance saying this is the last of the money in her benefit. Oh, God bless her. And, and it's been applied to her memory care rent. And that, mm-hmm. and so that exhausted her policy. And I realized then the reason my mom's been around, is still around, is my father was not going to let her cross over until she exhausted that policy because he wanted value in it. 
you, I, you know what? In, in, in another time in my life, I would have thought you were crazy. But having been at the deathbed, at the bedside of many people who have died, I can tell you that is not an outrageous statement. It's probably more true than you even than others would even imagine. Oh, Diane, I had complete confirmation because my mother died on her wedding anniversary. Okay, it would have been her 64th wedding anniversary, and the night she was dying. My husband and I went to a Chinese restaurant, a place where we had taken her many times, mm-hmm. and had a nice meal, and we toasted her life. And when the waiter brought the the, the the bill to us with the fortune cookie on top of the sleeve, I opened the fortune cookie, and I swear to you, as God is my witness, the fortune said, I want to make sure I, 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 I put this correctly, all of your will be gone tonight. Oh, my how prophetic. Yeah. And it was and I looked at it and I was like, How'd you guys do this? Yeah. And yeah. at two PM I got the call from my mom's home that she had actually passed. And I also oh. found that from one of the aides that she continued on until one of my nephews came by to say goodbye to her. Yes. And once he left that was it. That, that's when she. That's when she transitioned. Tracy, the same thing happened with my father. He had pancreatic cancer, and he was on his deathbed. And he had just gone into a coma the day before. And my, he knew my brother Paul was in Florida, where we were living in Pittsburgh at the time, and that he was on his way home. Paul made it there. He was driving back. He made it back. My dad was waiting for him. Paul walks in the door. Within an hour after Paul visits with my dad, transitions. And to this day, we know that my dad was waiting for Paul to be there to say goodbye. Yep, and I, I, I really do believe that they know that there is whatever plane of existence they're, they're parked at when they're waiting to transition, there are certain yes. loose ends. They have to tie up, and I've seen it a, a multitude of times at this point. I so, have too. Yeah, so yeah. I know I know it's true, and a lot of people think all this stuff is woo woo. I don't anymore. I've been a nurse for fifty years. I I don't believe that's woo stuff anymore. I don't. It's not hooey. It's very real. Yes, it oh. is. It is, and we don't want to believe it. We, no, we, we, we believe that's a little too far fetched. Until we're actually confronted with it. And I really, I felt so blessed because all of those signs were very clear to me. And I felt like my, it was my parents' way of saying to me, you did good, kid. Yeah, exactly. I feel blessed that I could see that, that it was so clear to me. I didn't even question it as it was unfolding. And after all the months of watching my mother deteriorate. And then it was painful to ha- have to do that. But the resolution was just, it, there, was, there was a beauty to it. And I have learned that having the privilege of giving someone you love a good death is a gift that it, is a very, it's a precious gift to be yeah, able to it's do priceless. It, it is priceless. And that's the sacrifice many of our caregivers make in order to keep somebody at home. And they may not have somebody that will ever take care of them. 
and gives them that opportunity to have that life. One of the things I'd like to, to tell caregivers is they have to look at life and, and say, what have you done to change for the better in your life or somebody else's life? And, and caregivers can say, they, they can positively answer, I'm doing great things at great cost to my own life to provide care. And the other thing I want them to, to make sure that they ask themselves when they're starting to feel guilty and feel shameful or even anger and resentment is, what have they done now that you can feel positive about and grateful about at that moment? And I think that I, I do like to tell caregivers, you know, start a uh, gratitude journal. Yes. I think everyone should have a gratitude journal. I, I do, yeah. too. But you know what? A lot of them say, oh, we don't have time or whatever. Hey, just say, I'm grateful for, even if it's one or two words yeah. every day. Yeah. yeah. This whole idea of not having time, I, I learned a while ago. I read this great book, which had this piece of advice about, and getting back to your, your statement that we all have choice, we have yes. choice in how we spend our time as well. Everything that we decide to take on is a choice. And exactly. what we with our time is a choice. Now, there are times when things come up where you have to act. You don't, and yes, absolutely those things happen. But most of our lives, most of the time that we spend is, is not time that we, we choose to spend. It's just time that we go through and we're not really thinking about it. We're just doing the things that we do. Yes. So, and the whole idea of being mind, really, when you go to do something, think about, is that, what, is, is that the best use of my time right now? And when people start looking at how they actually spend their time, they're going to realize that they have a lot more time than they think they do. Exactly. And that they can make better choices with what to do with the time that they have. And so it's a matter of prioritizing things that are meaningful. So exactly. if we become more mindful and look at how look at how you spend your day, how much time during the day do you spend like observing social media? Most of us will we, we, we'll blush when we hear that because we tend to spend entirely too much time just like looking at people taking pictures of, of their dessert. Yeah. You know, so if we become a little more mindful and say, you know what, today I'm I'm not going to be on Facebook. I, I'm not doing it. I'm just gonna. I, instead, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull out a piece of paper and I'm gonna count my blessings. I'm gonna write down things that I'm grateful for, that I usually don't think about being grateful for. Things that I take for granted that, if they weren't there, I would have a very different life, and not in a good way. And I think if people start coming from that perspective, that. Uh, you, you will find time if you make this. And more than anything, I just say prioritize yourself. Prioritize what you need. Break down and ask for help. As hard as it is, break down and, and ask for help. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many people will say yes. I, I, I was thinking about this story a woman told that I met through networking, and she Worked. She, she had an operations job that had to do with, with security. She had this job on 9-11-2001. Oh, wow. And she and her husband 
had just broken up and she had two children. And she has custody of these two kids. The morning of 9-11, she got a call to go into the center, her operations center, and her kids' school was closed. So she was in a very difficult situation. She needed to go to her job, which was critical, on that very awful day. She couldn't just leave her kids. She had recently moved to a new neighborhood, so she didn't even like know her neighbors yet. She called her husband, from whom she had just divorced, so they weren't on the best of terms. But she said, listen, this is what's happening. I really need to go to work. Can you take the kids? And he said, of course I will. It was such an epiphany to her. That's something that we all have to think about because there are times there are times when we have to make an ask of somebody who we don't want to make the ask of because yeah. our survival depends on it. Yeah. And, and it, people really need, do need to take it that seriously. It, I do it agree. as depends on it because it does. Yes. On that, I'm going to end uh, today's, series with with you Tracy and say thank you again for being here to my caregivers out there remember you are the most important part of the caregiving equation without you it falls apart so practice self-care be gentle with yourself forgive yourself for being human and practice self-care every day because you are worth it thanks Tracy and uh, we'll talk next week okay Diane thanks so much talk to you later bye you